the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is episode number 190 and part of our multifamily brief series. Hey, this is Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital again. Today, we're going to talk about 1031 exchanges. It's a topic that's come up a couple of times in the last two weeks, so I figured I'd just do an episode about it. So first of all, let's try to answer the question, you know, what is a 1031 exchange? Well, the number 1031 corresponds to the section of IRS tax code that this is in. So it's it's from section 1031 of the tax code, hence it's called a 1031 exchange. But what this rule does is it allows real estate investors primarily to exchange one investment property for another and defer the capital gains taxes until the second property is sold. You know, the exchange is done by selling a property that you currently own, reinvesting the proceeds in a property that property that you are going to purchase which will allow a person to defer the capital gains and the depreciation recapture taxes that would have incurred with the property sale. And what's more, current law will actually allow you to do this multiple times. So let's say you start out with a duplex and you are making a like-kind exchange, which we'll explain a little later. And you you sell a duplex, you roll the proceeds into a fourplex or an eightplex. You can hold that property for as long as you want. And when you sell it again, do another 1031 exchange and keep on pushing the tax bill off indefinitely. Now, this has been a tool for real estate investors for many years to help them grow their portfolio. And it's also something that the Biden administration has said that they're going to try to severely limit or even remove completely from the tax code because it allows people to defer taxes indefinitely. Now, what's more, if, if for example, if you keep on doing 1031 exchanges, let's, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm a 40-year-old man and I do a 1031 exchange on a property I own and five years later I do another exchange and every five years I do an exchange into a bigger and bigger property. When I pass away, that property can go to my heirs, you know, my, my children or my wife, and the tax basis resets at the current value, which means right now there is actually a way, as long as you keep on doing 1031 exchanges, there is a way for you to completely escape the tax bill. You have to die to do it and pass on that real estate tax-free to your heirs. And when I say tax-free, what I mean by that is if your heirs were to take that property and immediately sell it, they would owe essentially zero tax because there'd be zero capital gains. And like I said, it resets the basis, which is essentially the purchase price. You know, it resets the basis of the property for tax. So whatever that property is worth at death is the new essentially purchase price or basis. And so if they were to immediately sell it, like I said, for the same price, the capital gains would be zero and therefore the tax on it would be zero. And once again, that's a loophole that the Biden administration wants to try to um, tie up so that people aren't escaping large tax bills. But on the flip side, you know, who wants to pass on real estate to their heirs along with a gigantic tax bill for them to pay? Now, let's go over some of the rules that must be followed in order to properly do a 1031 exchange. I'm going to go over them just to the list right now, and then I'll hit one each one in depth. You know, first one, you must use a qualified intermediary. Um, the exchange must be between like-kind properties. The title of both properties must be held in the same name or entity. The new property must be greater than or equal to in value than the old property. 
you must be able to identify a new property within 45 days of selling the old property. And you must purchase the new property within 180 days of selling the old property. And all proceeds from the sell should be transferred to the new property. Now, some of these rules are hard and fast. You absolutely have to comply with, but others, not so much. For example, if you don't transfer all the proceeds from one property to the next, you will only be able to defer taxes on the proceeds that you transfer to the new sale. So if you keep some proceeds out of the sale, you will have a tax due when you sell based on how much you take out. So let's talk about these. Number one, you must use a qualified intermediary. Um, this intermediary will make sure the process runs smoothly. They'll take the funds from one property. They'll make sure the funds are in an escrow account between the time one property closes and the other. And they'll basically manage a transaction for you, obviously for a fee. Now, a lot of closing agents, title attorneys, and your SEC attorneys will also act as 1031 intermediaries. And so you can use them as kind of a one-stop shop. And they'll just add it to their total bill at the end of the transaction. Now, the next thing is the exchange must be between like-kind properties. And basically what that means is the property you are selling has to be an investment property and you have to be purchasing an investment property. Now, they, they tightened the rules up on this in 2017. There used to be a little more latitude to it, um, but essentially what that means you can't sell your primary residence using the 1031 exchange and you can't purchase a home that's intended to be your primary residence using a 1031 exchange. It has to be an investment property to another investment property. And incidentally, the asset class and the property type are not important when it comes to this. You can even buy raw land. However, if you, if you go from a property with depreciable assets to raw land, you are going to pay some depreciation recapture tax. But end of the day, it's from an investment property to an investment property. And that's what it means by like-kind exchange. Now, the next thing, and this kind of trips people up a little bit, uh, is the, the rule that the title of both properties must be held in the same name. For example, you know, if, if your LLC on the first one is investment property LLC, then you have to t use the same entity to purchase the new property. Now, this rule is the most tricky to get around if you're trying to 1031 into a real estate syndication, but there are ways to do that. Remember, the title has to be the same or the entity in the transaction has to be preserved. So basically, like I said, if you have investment property LLC on the title of one property, when you sell it, investment property LLC has to be on the title of the new property. So if you're looking at doing a syndication or trying to roll your money, your 1031 money into a syndication, you have to use a structure called tenants in common. And basically what that means is your LLC will be on the title along with whatever LLC the sponsor creates for the investment. So it is possible to be actively managing a property, an investment property, and take it, roll those funds into a passive investment where you are no longer actively managing. And incidentally, you can also do this on the back end of a syndication as well, using what's called a drop and swap. You know, for example, if the LLC has, you know, 10 different members and not all 10 members want to do the 1031 exchange, it's possible to drop the members that do not wish to stay in or do the 1031 exchange from the ownership of the entity before doing the exchange. And this is complicated, not something that you want to try to do by yourself. So make sure you're enlisting the help of an attorney or a qualified intermediary to do this properly. Now, the next important rule to consider is you need to exchange up in price. So for example, if the sale price is a million dollars 
and you had $500,000 in debt, the purchase price for the new property needs to exceed a million dollars with debt exceeding $500,000. So now the closing and acquisition costs can sometimes be included in the new value, but there are certain things that are excluded like your escrows and your property taxes. But essentially, as long as you are trading up or exchanging up, you're able to you'll be able to exclude 100% of the proceeds from the capital gain taxes at sale. Now, the next two items have to do with timeline, and this is the tricky part. You know, you have to identify a new property within 45 days of selling the old property. Now, there's some nuances to this, but within 45-day mark, you can identify up to three properties. Now, this gives the, the owner a little bit of flexibility, naming three properties, and you may not have one under contract in 45 days, but if you're working on putting offers in and gaining a tr- contract, you have 45 days to name these three properties. And then the next rule is you have 180 days from the end of your transaction to close on the new property. Now, these timelines can be tight and they're hard and fast, so if it's not done in the, in the requisite time, you'll end up paying the capital gains taxes. Now, the next rule, all the proceeds from the sale should be transferred to the new property. Well, that's like I said earlier, that's only for you to have 100% of the proceeds tax deferred. If you put all the proceeds into the new property, you're going to pay essentially zero tax. Whereas if you made a small distribution, you'll just have to pay capital gains on the money that you take out. Now, be sure to consult a tax advisor on this just to verify how things are going to work if you plan on taking some of the money out so you're not stuck with a big tax bill that you weren't expecting. And there you have it. That's basically a rundown of of the 1031 exchange, what it is, how to use it, and basically what the rules and regulations are so you can properly plan for a 1031 exchange either as a syndicator or using your own property. And once again, it is a very good tool to defer the capital gains taxes and the depreciation recapture taxes that are typically due at sale of a property. And under current law, you can keep on deferring the tax. You can keep on kicking the can down the road by doing another 1031 exchange every time you sell and keep on exchanging up into bigger and bigger properties. And of course, in this case, you want to be very cautious when doing 1031 exchanges because once again, the Biden administration is looking at taking the 1031 tool out of the real estate investor's toolbox. So you want to keep your ear to the ground and always consult a qualified intermediary and a tax rep to make sure that you're doing things properly. That's it for today's episode, and we'll see you next time. It's going to be an excellent episode with Neil Bawa. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.